When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, look, uh, I asked you guys for questions in the iTunes mailbag and holy crap, did you guys answer the bell, uh, you know, now that it's kind of packed up a little bit. I just have to dive right in because otherwise we'll be here a while. All right, first question here comes from Captain Matt 8. Hey, Anthony, wanted to say great work on the pod. I saw an ESPN post uh, where they stated since 1979, only Western Conference Finals teams or Western Conference teams that won a championship were from California and Texas. It then led me to look up total championships by teams for NBA and NFL. Do you think if more of the NBA championships were spread out among teams like in the NFL, that would have helped the NBA to develop a larger fan base than uh, just the Lakers, Celtics and Warriors? It's a good question, and um, I don't think there is a a definitive answer here because while obviously the NFL um, has relied on parity or at least the appearance of parity to bolster interest in teams all over the country, um, when you really look at like the NFL's the way that championships championships are spread out across the NFL. It's more quarterback based. Like if you think of quarterbacks as markets as you do in the NBA, then you know only a handful of markets have have really dominated the championship realm. And I think maybe that is has kind of started to change a little bit. But now you're kind of looking at you know Patrick Mahomes, and um, you know he's kind of following in the footsteps of Tom Brady, who was competing against Peyton Manning, and then you had Ben Roethlisberger winning a couple, and, you know, there were the outliers here and there. Um, But for the most part, if you didn't have an elite quarterback, your chances of winning a a Super Bowl were pretty low. Um, And now you can point to, like, Trent Dilfer and stuff, but, but, you know, he's more the exception that proves the rule as all that he needed to win a championship was, like, the greatest defense <laughs> that we've ever seen on an NBA on an NFL field. So, um, and then the other part of, of this too is, uh, yeah, maybe if you spread out the championships and more teams win them over the course of the years or over the course of, of NBA history, uh, that you would see uh, a little bit more, interest maybe in in from from other markets that to this point maybe haven't won one but also the NBA was its most popular when fans kind of sort of knew going into it that it was going to be like Lakers Celtics or Lakers Sixers right um and and then you know that stretch where we had 
uh, Curry and the Warriors going up against LeBron and the Cavs. Like those were some of the most watched finals that uh, we have ever seen. Uh, and 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 yeah, like these these playoffs did well, and these finals did fairly well. Uh, can uh, all things considered, you know, when you consider the markets that were in them, uh, but but like. I think if we get more of that moving forward, I think it's a, a good way to kind of build on the foundation that that you know the 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 more market based uh, championship dispersal has has built right or laid that foundation there, and then you can kind of build up from there as and that seems to be what Adam Silver is trying to do here, right? Uh, as it stands right now, the NBA has gotten to this point off of that market driven. Um, model and now they are really trying to legislate parity. Now we'll see if they're successful here. Um, history says no that you cannot legislate parity, but if they do, if they are successful in doing this, um, maybe you know having more teams enter the season every year, feeling like they might be able to win. Like I remember I, I talked to Adam for years and he would say, Oh yeah, no, I'm just never going to see a nuggets championship. And, you know, I guess I've just developed the calluses that make me okay with that. And then, you know, that thought or that, you know, idea um, being proven wrong led to this complete release of Holy shit, Holy shit, Holy shit. And, and more fans getting to experience that in this modern era might be good for a league that is kind of, you know, maybe plateaued off of the market-driven model. The only thing that I would say, if this is what they're going to do here moving forward, is the NBA needs to put more pressure on its TV partners to try to get them to be more educated on those smaller markets because ESPN showed its complete and utter ass these finals with how regularly its quote-unquote experts were saying objectively th wrong things about the teams that were involved in the NBA finals and the superstars that got them there. So if the NBA is going to, to you know, try to build off of parity and raise its ceiling through parity, cool, let's just make sure that your partners are ready for that too. All right, next review here comes from Motor Breath. Uh, hey, Anthony, not a question, just a number of thoughts relating to D'Lo. I'd love your take on between now and whenever the next season begins. I found it exciting when he made his return to the Lakers, and I feel his energy slash play were instrumental to turning the season around. The like-I-never-left game comes to mind. The vibes were infinitely better than with Russ. His playoff performance was spotty and ended badly, but, probably don't need to, but they probably don't go as far as we did without him. I really wanted him to succeed and stick this time. Maybe he still can, but it still seems hard to see right now. I don't know if I've answered this before, but I, I think there's some stuff that is uh, worth rehashing here. I agree with all of that, for one thing. I also, like, I was a D-Lo guy. I was one of the people who were probably most upset when they just kind of salary dumped D'Angelo Russell. Um, and And I, to this day... Uh, wish that we could have seen Lonzo and D'Lo in the backcourt together. Now, it seems kind of doomed to fail because Lonzo's body has, has seemed to really fail him, and uh, D'Angelo Russell uh, is, is you know, I, I think he's kind of 
reached his ceiling as a player. And I don't think that player is good enough to like build on him and Lonzo as your backcourt of the future. But still, I would love to have seen it. You have D'Lo's ability to shoot. Lonzo's this incredible defender. Um, both very instinctual players who could have played off of each other. They uh, both have size and length. And, and um, you know, D'Lo doesn't really have physicality right, but Lonzo has enough to make up for it. I, I would have let Lonzo eventually develop the ability to shoot too. Um, as he moved his shooting release from the left left side of his body closer to the middle of it, um, and and yeah, I, I would I would love to have seen it. And trust me, back when uh, back before they made that trade, I spent plenty of time on two K just envisioning what <laughs> what that might have looked like. All that said, um, it's been a weird ride here for D'Angelo Russell. I completely agree that swapping out. Russell Westbrook for D'Lo did really kind of ignite and turn around the season. It unlocked Austin Reeves. I think there was kind of a general malaise that had set in because everybody knew where it was going if uh, Russ remained on the team. Um, And then you had enough role players who came in and fortified a rotation that had a lot of question marks. It's not just a Russell Westbrook thing too, by the way. It was a combo guard thing. They had way too many of them. You had Patrick Beverly seen as a 3 and D wing. You had uh, Kendrick Nunn trying to to make it work in there too. Um, And those guys were turned into, I mean, at least in in Nunn's case, he was turned into an actual 3 and D wing in Rui Hachimura. And Patrick Beverly got to podcast somewhere else. And I think that really helped everybody involved. all that said, and 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 I think uh, this is where it gets kind of tricky, is as that as there are a lot of factors to the season turning around, and as D'Angelo Russell was like one of the bigger ones, but not quite the reason, and wants to be paid as the reason, it makes it tricky to come to an understanding in terms of uh, his next deal and. You know, around the league, his market is not great. Like, I'm just going to be honest here. Um, it, it, if he was if he was just to hit the open market, I don't know if he would get very many offers above, like, 15 mil, right? Um, and that, that said, it doesn't mean that the Lakers can just say, hey, your best offer right now sits at 15 mil. Here's $15 million and $1. Come on back. Um, because he's a free agent, he can take into account loyalty from franchises or, or the lack thereof in the Lakers' case, right, as they have traded him once, and he might feel like them underpaying him is just another step down that trend of them not necessarily valuing him. Um, he can p- prioritize uh, you know, situation as this might be one of the last big contracts that he signs where can he put himself in a position to get his next big contract, um, which takes into account playing time and likelihood of team-wide success and, and you know, again, organizational structure and all of that. Um, so that would be a factor there as well. And, you know, if the Lakers undersell him too much or lowball him too much, he just walks. And the Lakers can't afford to have him just walk. Um, maybe he walks and the teams, you know, the team that he goes to is able to figure out some kind of a deal with the Lakers. 
that involves a sign and trade. So the Lakers keep that slot open or, or whatever, but you know, still at the end of the day, you're probably not getting back, uh, you know, comparative talent with D'Angelo Russell going out to some different team and you kind of scrounging together enough contracts to keep that financial flexibility. You're probably taking long-term money back. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of draft capital, you're probably not getting anything either. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So, like, usually those sign-and-trade deals look very lopsided, and they, not, they often are, because the point of it, from the perspective of the team that is losing the better player is just to maintain financial flexibility and, and to save face to a certain extent. So for the Lakers, yeah, you could offer him 15 million and $1 or you could offer him 17 million or whatever. Um, but I think, and I think this is how this winds up playing out. You offer him two years, $40 million or, you know, depending on how things are looking, two mil, you know, 45 or at absolute most 50 mil. The second year of that deal can be a player or a team option or non-guaranteed or whatever so that he is still a, a uh, expiring contract that can be moved at the deadline. And even if he isn't an expiring contract at the deadline, next year he becomes one of those important uh, expirings that heading into this next CBA are really going to matter. So, yeah, I think, I think, you know, from a from a asset management standpoint, yeah, I would say keeping him on a short term, fairly high paying deal is probably the best path forward here. And you know, it continues on this thing where like, it it sounds like I'm saying that begrudgingly, um, and to a certain extent, the Lakers might just be kind of signing him to that and 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 taking like the best of a bunch of kind of iffy off uh, options there but also let's that that let's take into account the first part of all of this where he is a talented player he does fit very well with lebron and with austin reeves in in the backcourt he does um he was a big part of turning the season around and it would be nice to see the lakers see what they can build on top of all of that success uh with the benefit of continuity, something that they just have not had for a few seasons now, right? The entirety of that, not just roster, but borderline organization, right? They don't have Frank Vogel anymore either. Uh, from the time that they won a championship, it they hit reset after that for some reason. So finally, coming off of the success of a Western Conference final, they can build on it. And that does feature... If that if maybe features too strong a word, but that does involve D'Angelo Russell. All right, next question here comes from a whole bunch of letters, uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to try to pronounce that. But hey, Anthony, my name is Connor, and just want to reflect on how I've been listening to you since my early high school days, and I'm now going to the Walter Cronkite School in ASU for my master's degree. 
Thanks, man. I feel ancient. Just like absolutely fall into a pile of ash uh, here on the mic. <laughs> Congratulations, though. That is really awesome to hear. I uh, just wanted to let you know that uh, you've been a formative role model for my aspirations in sports media, and you'll always be one of my favorite journalists throughout my journey. Not a journalist, but again, appreciate it. Love the show, and we'll never stop consuming your Lakers coverage. Um, I'm going to be honest. A lot of times when I have this, uh, when I have this mailbag, this backed up, uh, I will. I don't like read through them, and you know, and I just kind of stumbled upon comments as as we go along here and uh this one really caught me in the feels uh thank you very much there wasn't a question attached to it um but i really appreciate that connor and best of luck uh in in pursuing that master's degree so i read uh ahead to some of the other uh reviews here and and they were kind words appreciate all of them i really do um but to be completely honest i suck i suck at taking compliments and just reading compliments on here is is not something I'm comfortable with. Uh, so what I uh, wound up doing is just asking really quickly for some questions via Twitter and already got some good ones. So let's dive into those. All right. So uh, J.R. Smith range uh, sent a couple. Right. So uh, what is the what game changing players could the Lakers acquire at the deadline? Like what's the highest level of player with their current assets? Um, and then he also asked, what's my expectations for the young core? So. I'll just start really quickly with the first one and I'm not going to name any uh, players specifically because like in order to, to do that, you'd have to look ahead to which teams might be selling at the deadline. And we keep seeing the number of teams at the deadline who would be selling. Um, that number keeps shrinking because of the play in and because of the flattened lottery odds. So like I, I, I can't honestly, um, you know, look ahead and, and, and forecast that market. But what I will say though, just in terms of assets uh, and what the Lakers are working with, the trade chip that can land them, I think, an absolutely game-changing type player is that 2029 first-round pick. Uh, the Lakers haven't wanted to, to part with it to this point. Clearly, they haven't. Um, they've had opportunities, but I think... If they all, if they do wind up moving it, it is for a player. So first, they would have have, had to get to the um, trade deadline and uh, look healthy enough and competitive enough to be able to say like they have a chance at winning a championship. Should they bring in the right type of player? Uh, and the other thing there is, uh, you know, if if they if they do do that, if they are capable of doing that. This is where, you know, keeping Mo Bamba and keeping uh, Malik Beasley on the books and, and especially at the numbers that they're at um, is important because those guys add up to 26 million bucks uh, this upcoming season, which means you can bring in somebody in that kind of $30 million range. And that is, you know, usually players that are making 30 mil are pretty damn good, right? They, they, they are worth that amount of money, by the way. I said I wasn't going to name specific players, but Kyle Kuzma is looking to be paid somewhere in the ballpark of 30 mil. If he gets that from, say, Washington, who looks like they're heading towards a rebuild anyway, um, that is a player that I kind of have my eye on a little bit. Uh, we know that Rob Palenka likes to bring back former players and all of that stuff, and 
And that is uh, a move that I think would, would make some sense and just has to be executed sometime after like December 15th. Um, all right. So the other part of it uh, in, in terms of, you know, what type of players that they would have to be doing, um, they also would have to probably take in money that extends beyond LeBron and AD's contracts right now. And I think if they brought in a player like that, the player would have to be younger, right? That's why they preferred D'Angelo Russell over Mike Conley at the deadline last year. Um, and Or they would have to get some kind of, uh, you know, at least unwritten agreement from LeBron and or AD, like, hey, we're bringing money that, that extends beyond your guys' contracts. What does it look like? If we, if we do mess around and somehow win a championship here, um, or they are competitive to enough to, to like vie for a championship. Would you guys want to stick around and, and match up your deals with whichever contract that they bring in here? Um, that is, uh, another aspect of it, of it too. So yeah, in, in terms of like players that uh, I have my eye on or whatever, obviously I have a couple and, you know, maybe as we get closer, we'll, we'll take a look at that. Um, the other thing too, is like this year, there are probably going to be free agents who get signed for the sake of bringing in assets at the deadline. And we have to see what those players kind of look like. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, first and foremost, the key here is filling out this roster in a way that makes as much sense as possible and being as competitive as possible so that they could get to the deadline and Rob Polinka can confidently give up that 29 pick for a player that he thinks put the Lakers over the top and in that like championship contention place. I think right now they're on the like outskirts of it. I think depending on like, I, you know, there is a, a scenario here where the Lakers can put together a good enough roster to be on the fringes of championship comp uh, competition. And then, you know, from there, if that holds true, then you get to the deadline and you go from the fringes of championship competition to legitimate championship competition or championship, you know, being a favorite, being a favorite to win the championship, uh, championship. That would be, that would be the kind of uh, move and the kind of forecast that Rob Polinka would be okay with moving the 29 pick for. I have never heard that it is completely off of the table and um, you heard Aaron say after the draft that because the Lakers didn't move 17, it makes them a little bit more likely to move 29. But if they do move it and you move a first round pick that would convey after LeBron and after AD probably are no longer Lakers, that asset becomes hugely valuable. And either the Lakers would put a, a bunch of protections on it so that it doesn't convey then or... If they don't put those protections on it, they are getting back a bona fide all star. Um, that that would be that would be my guess. Second part of that question was uh, expectations for the young core. So if we're defining a young core, I guess we're taking into account the guys that the Lakers just drafted, um, and then I guess Austin Reeves, even though he isn't typically young enough to be considered in the young core, but I guess we could do that. Um, Rui is about the same age, so I guess we can count him too. And then you're looking at uh, Jalen Hood, uh, Shafino, and uh, Maxwell Lewis. 
And another guy that I'm going to throw into there because I, I have a fairly high, not high expectations, but I think there's uh, this guy might surprise some people is Colin Castleton, uh, the, the big that they got out of, I believe, Florida. Um, yeah, I that group there, like it's not it's barely young enough to be considered a young core. So I feel like we're kind of cheating there. Um, look, when you arrive at the end of a LeBron James era, you were typically pretty strapped for assets. Um, it doesn't seem, and now like we'll see depending on how the whole response to the last question goes, uh, but we'll see how strapped the Lakers might be for assets after LeBron's tenure here and uh, the type of talent that the Lakers turn, say, like AD into, um, you know, if he gets traded after LeBron either retires or moves on to play with Bronny. Um, so, like, what I will say about the Lakers is I do think that, like, in terms of just assets, I think they're going to be better off than both of LeBron's previous teams, Miami and Cleveland. Um, on top of that, the Lakers have a history of luring superstars under whatever circumstance. And, um, you know, and, you know, you might say, well, who was the free agent before LeBron that signed with the Lakers? And it's like, um, all right, they, they operated in trades, but they were able to keep Kobe. Remember, he demanded a trade. They were able to convince him to go back on that demand, landed him Powell, drafted Bynum, turned Odom into a six-man of the year, won two championships, and then, you know, fell into the tank, uh, just absolutely stumbled through seven years of just forgettable basketball. And LeBron James decided to go and play with the Lakers after all of that too. So if they maintain a, a pretty good relationship with Clutch and they if they maintain decent standing with superstars throughout the league, I think the Lakers are always going to be in contention for something weird to happen. So, uh, so long as they keep enough powder dry, um, and this is where the next few years are going to get really interesting, right? Because I don't think the Lakers realistically thought they would get as close to winning a championship last year as they did. And now they're probably looking at their gunpowder and like, you know, do we use some of this here? Does it, <laughs> what, do we, what, you know, um, what kind of asset should we send out to, you know, maybe get one more go at winning a championship here? in ways that maybe I don't think they thought they were going to have to consider, um, you know, going into last season and certainly coming out of it, depend, you know, based on how the year started. So, I, I you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how, it, how they balance both of those things. Maintaining some flexibility asset-wise for the post-LeBron era, but also giving a legitimate go at, at, you know, winning a championship during this LeBron James, John, LeBron James era. All right. Uh, the Nathan Mark writes, if nothing eventuates with any free agents is the Lakers best bet to bring everyone back Bamba and Beasley included and work on trades up until the trade deadline. It allows them to keep the salary slots. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, and, and by the way, um, you know, that's what I'm hearing that the Lakers are, are kind of preparing to do. They were, hoping to trade Beasley and Bamba heading into the draft. Um, obviously, nothing like that has has presented itself to this point. They don't have very, like, I guess you could technically 
not pick up Beasley's option, not guarantee Bamba's contract, let D'Angelo Russell walk and and clear up as much salary uh, cap as you want to go and pursue, say, like a Brooke Lopez or, you know, a I don't even know. Uh, you know, somebody in that like mid-tier free agency range and and you know, see what that looks like. I saw Sam Quinn of CBS was was talking about that um earlier Sunday. But uh yeah, I that's a potential possibility here, but um if you strike out and you let all those guys walk, not only or by the way, if you hit on those free agents and and you go into next year, uh, you know, you aren't going to be as flexible because the contracts that you give out, um, you'll have to wait until December to do so. And then, um, you know, you're, you're not going to have as much salary on your books because if you go below the salary cap, there's only kind of so far above it with like contracts that you're okay to use in trades. Um, there's only so high above that, that salary cap that you can go and, uh, yeah, I, I just think you, you really shrink your margin for error if you go the, the, the free agency route here. So personally, what I would like to do is uh, if they and, and by the way, like the free agents that you're talking about, they have their taxpayer mid-level and that's about it. Um, so you're talking about a player in that at the at five million bucks that you're hoping to convince to, to, to come in there at that rate. That probably means you you say goodbye to Lonnie Walker and uh, probably also means you say goodbye to, to Dennis Schroeder or you use that money on Dennis Schroeder. And that's something that like if you're bringing back to Angela Russell, I don't really think you should use your um, your taxpayer mid-level on another guard. But whatever. Um, so if you uh, you know, but you, you bring back Beasley, you bring back Bamba, you see what those guys can do also on the court and see if they can kind of regain a little bit more value so that they're seen as players and not just. Uh, expiring contracts. And then, you know, I talked about the 29 pick. That's a huge trade chip that everybody in the league really, really, really wants. Um, and, and yeah, you, you kind of go about it that way. You see if Austin Reeves takes another step forward. You see what um, Max Christie is able to do. More on him in a second. Uh, and then, you know, you see what uh, Jalen Hood Shafino is capable of. And, and I don't think they're expecting to get anything from um, you know, Maxwell Lewis, but, but still, um, you know, you, you, you run it back basically. And by the way, the team that you're running back is pretty damn good. You know, it's, it's going to be a, a little bit lighter. You aren't going to have Schroeder. You aren't going to have Walker, but you are going to have a starting five probably of D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Rui, LeBron, and AD. That's pretty damn good. Um, and whoever else that you get it at that taxpayer, uh, taxpayer mid-level, um, Beasley coming off of the bench as a shooter, uh, makes some sense there. Maybe you're able to go out and get a, a, a point guard at the minimum. Who's trying to, you know, resuscitate their career. Um, there are like, there's still going to be trades to be had, um, as free agency kicks off. Like the draft isn't the only time to get these trades done. And so long as the Lakers don't sign their rookies to their deals, those guys can still technically be moved or included in trades. Um, you're just trading over their draft rights instead of, you know, the, the, the pick that was used to take them. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, there, there's still moves to be made here, but if all else fails, the path forward of essentially running it back, 
I, I'd be perfectly fine with that. I, I, I wouldn't be like disappointed with, with how the offseason played out if that was a path that they wind up taking. Don't hold me to that, though, because I always find a way to be disappointed. All right, last question here comes from George Santiago, a uh, friend, friend of the show, like from a, from a listener standpoint. Uh, George writes, what are your reasonable expectations for Max Christie along with JHS and Lewis for the Lakers if they are in the roster for training camp? Uh, can be individually, since Lewis may have a different expectation from the other two. So Lewis I, I, is a project, and I think he's going to spend all year in the G League, and maybe he'll come up and get occasional minutes like garbage minutes or injury minutes with the main team but for the most part um, the way to keep track of of Lewis's uh, season this year is going to be to watch uh, the South Bay Lakers um, also on Spectrum by the way really fun and also like if you ever want like just a fun basketball experience go to one of those games I am telling you the lead the, the talent in that league is way better than you think. Um, there is no bad seat in the house. Everybody there, like you, you'll just see like Lakers personnel walking around there, right? Palinka will check out those games if the Lakers are, are local. Um, you'll have uh, you'll have coaches in there um, that you can you know like sit relatively close to. Um, it's it's a really cool environment. I really do hope people start to check that stuff out. Um, and by the way, this year, you know, you'll probably see, you'll, you'll probably even see uh, Shafino down there too, um, where, where uh, you know, him and, and Lewis and whoever else the Lakers have um, in, in their, in their kind of young group. I mentioned, I, I meant to mention Colin Castleton um, a couple segments ago, included in the young core. Um, he's somebody who like the Lakers have a real need at, at center. And if they don't bring back, say, like Wenyan, I think Castleton is fairly well positioned to uh, take that roster spot in that role. But anyway, uh, yeah, with with Lewis, I I would just say, like, just steady development and and steps forward on on in, you know, in a winning environment, hopefully um, with the South Bay Lakers. Now for Max Christie. Look. I considered myself optimistic with him and said he could be like an eight or a ninth man. But in talking to people around the Lakers, they have fairly high expectations for him, higher than even I did. And I thought my expectations were pretty high. So does that mean he starts? Probably not. But does that mean he's like your, instead of, ninth or 10th man or you know last year he was like a 13th through 15th right so if you just look at like decent progress he becomes a 10th through 12th man but i i and i thought i was optimistic and thinking he could be in the rotation as ninth or 10th man um but i've heard it as high as like seventh where he is seen as like a you know, 15 minute a night type player uh, to start and then grows and develops from there. They are that high on him. And for good reason, by the way, like every time he stopped, stepped on a court last year, I never thought to myself, yeah, that guy doesn't belong out there. Uh, defensively, he gets after it. 
He's a very smart player. He doesn't like, you know, he doesn't overshoot. Um, if anything, I think sometimes he's a little too uh, passive at times. And I would rather a young player start there and then kind of develop their way up as their role expands. So, yeah, I I really think Max could, uh, you know, I, I think seventh man is is certainly on the high end of outcomes here. Um, and I would never set expectations there, but I, I think it's altogether possible that we look at the end of the year and say, this guy is a fairly important player on a good team. And that would be insane for a second year player drafted in the second round, which I guess it would be insane for just about any other team, but as the Lakers scouting department and importantly here, uh, player development department, uh, is is as successful as it's been, I guess it wouldn't be that insane. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Shouts to everybody who left questions. Thank you to everybody who also has left nice comments and nice reviews there. Those reviews are kind of climbing up, and uh, that does really help us on iTunes with their algorithm there. Um, well, I think right now we sit at like 300 or so. Um, when I left locked on, I think we were close to like, you know, we were in the thousands. So let's get that back up there and let's keep this thing rolling. I also asked for, uh, YouTube subscriptions over the weekend. Um, we now sit at above 500 there. So if we can get that number continuing to climb, that would be great. Uh, also if you want, uh, more information, I've started doing some reporting, uh, for Substack, and, uh, I've, I've seen a bump in those subscriptions as well. So if you want to find me there, it's like substack.com slash Anthony Irwin or substack.anthonyirwin.com or whatever it is. I should probably be better at that than I am. Um, but yeah, check out all of that stuff. Really fun week ahead of, uh, ahead for you guys. Uh, some really good guests that are going to have some really good information on not just Lakers stuff, but league wide stuff. And, uh, you know, we get through this week and the following week kicks off free agency. So it's going to be nuts. Uh, we are getting close to that time of the year where I start posting conversations that I have, like right after I, uh, conduct them just so that they are still relevant when they hit your feeds. So, uh, make sure you're subscribed so that you get those conversations as soon as they happen. Um, and, and yeah, we're also in that time of year where I start doing emergency podcasts, uh, emergency lowdowns, depending on whatever move or news there is out there. So, uh, yeah, keep, you know, again, subscribe, all of that good stuff. And I will talk to you whenever it is that I talk to you. Until then, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one, everybody.